It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, we're in a brand new studio, and what better time to bring back an old classic game? We're playing a round of What's More Likely. Oh, like because when I shot, I expected to make it, so like I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, January the 30th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website that don't work so good, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors, and of course, you can join us over on the Locked On Raptors Instagram, or sorry, Locked On Raptors Discord server, the doy, uh, where it's a great place. Come hang out with lots of friends who like the podcast, who like roasting me for my takes, uh, and some of them who actually like my takes as well. All are welcome in the Locked On Raptors Discord. Link in the description of the podcast, free to join as always. Would love to see you in there. Uh, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And uh, we'll get started on today's show by diving on in to a round of what's more likely with, of course, our dear pal Vivek Jacob from Sportsnet, who is here to play a game with me as I debut a new studio Apologies for the lighting for those watching on YouTube, by the way, subscribe, hit the notification button, all that good stuff. Uh, we're working on the lighting situation, having a bit of a mishap. So I have many different sort of lamps and whatnot trying to light me evenly. We'll figure it out as time goes on. But Big V, how the hell are you, pal? I'm doing great. It's good to see you with the, the new look. Obviously, the, uh, <laughs> the house getting going. Uh, love to see it. Excited for you. Locked on um, Raptors Manor, they're calling it. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, I think uh, looking forward to, it's been a while since we've done a What's More Likely, I feel. So Mm -hmm. looking forward to this. Yeah, uh, so for those not familiar with the game that is known as What's More Likely, uh, I come up with two exceedingly unlikely scenarios at kind of a far end of a various spectrum, and we decide which of those two unlikely scenarios is the most likely to go and play out. Uh, so let's dive on in here to uh, the first of our three What's More Likelys. We've got stuff coming up on trade deadline stuff, future all-star upside. But let's begin, Big V, with uh, something that could be in our lives, as soon as tonight against the Bulls, Jakob Pertl questionable to play in tonight's game, which is an upgrade from where he's been in recent weeks, of course, missing the last 10 games during which the Toronto Raptors have gone one and nine. It's not been so good. My question to you, Big V, as we start off today is what's more likely the Raptors go nine and one in their first 10 games with Jakob Pertl back on the floor or Go one and nine as they have in the last 10 games without Jakob Pertl. What you got? What's more likely? I think it's more likely that they go one and nine. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I, I, I can't envision a scenario in which uh, they get close to nine and one. Uh, mm-hmm. When you look at the next 10 games, the winnable ones, there's Chicago in there. There's uh, a game against Charlotte. And then there's a game against Brooklyn. I think those are the three winnable games. Uh, and so at best, I could see a scenario of three and seven, mm-hmm. which is nowhere near nine and one. So the more likely scenario for me would be one and nine. I'm going to disagree with you, Big V, which is great for podcasting. Uh, look, again, two wildly unlikely scenarios. Keep this in mind. I, I think it's more likely. Both being wildly unlikely. Like. The Look, team literally just went one to nine. <laughs> they went one to nine without Jakob Pertl, who I think we've determined is very important to this team's chances of playing functional NBA basketball. And I think having Jakob Pertl in the mix over the last 10 games, you could argue they would go five and five. You can point to like a handful of games where his lack of like lack of presence, the Bulls game, um, the, the Hawks game. There's a handful of games over this last 10-game stretch where if Yaka Pertle are available, that might be the difference between winning and losing for a Raptors team that, despite being 1-9 and nine in that stretch, has actually kind of hung in in a lot of these games. And the ones they've lost by a lot, it's kind of understandable. Say the Clippers game, for example. Um, but I do think Yaka Pertle is pretty essential to this team. Do I think they're going to go 9-1 and one when he hits the floor again? Absolutely no, I do not. But do I think they could go six and four? I don't think that's crazy. I, I think there is a recipe here with a healthy Yaka Pirtle for a pretty fun close to the season for a, a team that, you know, despite kind of being out of the mix right now, of course, they're 16 and 30. No one is expecting them to go and rattle off, you know, a 700 winning clip or anything like that between now and the end of the year. But slightly above 500, once you get Pirtle and, of course, quickly and Barrett back in the mix, with the sort of added depth that the bench has, obviously less high-end talent than there was before the OG and Pascal trades. But I think there's enough here, once you get Pirtle quickly and Barrett back, for this team to actually kind of string together some wins. I do not think the last 10 games are remotely representative of what this team can do on pure talent. I think they're still obviously, to me, in that sort of bulls hawks nets range and not this sort of second tier down like it looks like they might be kind of flirting with the bottom six of the eastern conference and yaka Pertle, man really valuable basketball player helps them play 
offense in a way that no one else on this team can with his screening, with his roll gravity, with his finishing around the basket. John Jay Porter can't hit a two to save his life. Yaka Pertle's whole thing is hitting twos to save his life. Like I, I do think that the, the stark difference from what they're rolling out now and Yaka Pertle, you know, despite the exploits of Thad Young over the last little while, which has been just a total delight to watch uh, as a little side. But um, yeah, I, I think Yaka Pertle gives this team a chance to actually play functional, competitive, winning basketball, even if they're not winning at the high end level. I, I think it's totally on the table that they could have a positive record from here through the next stretch of the season with a healthy Yak, and of course, quickly and Barrett being available as well. Um, you know, where, what have you missed most about Yaka Pertle, Big V, as we hopefully brace for his return tonight and don't have to live without center uh, play in the, uh, <laughs> for the Toronto Raptors in the starting lineup ever again until he goes out again because guys get hurt. But, you know, bear with me. Where are you going to sort of feel the return of Yaka Pertle the most? His rebounding. I think when... Boy, oh boy, the rebounding. <laughs> when Sadiq Bey is grabbing seven offensive rebounds, in a game that's uh, pretty indicative of where the Raptors' problems lie. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and you watch that Hawks game, and it's like they're just going through the rim with complete reckless abandon, right? Like there's just zero fear factor there. So I think, uh, you know, his rim protection is obviously huge. So those are those are the two factors I'd say he bring, he I admire about him the most on this Raptors team. It's the rim protection. It's the rebounding. Um, and so, yeah, you any different? Uh, I, those two things, obviously, I do think the screening and just the way he can kind of slingshot dudes into space is the thing I'm missing most, in particular, Emmanuel quickly, right? Obviously, he's been out the last couple of games, but before he went out, his three point volume was down. He was obviously still playmaking at a pretty high level, but the scoring punch and the opportunities for him to go and create getting downhill. We're just kind of not there as much as they were with a healthy yak in those first eight games or so after the OG trade. And I think having Pirtle there as a pick and roll partner for quickly not only increases the sort of potency of the overall offense just because you have that core staple play to go to, but I think it just really gives quickly a chance to kind of settle in to his own as a lead guard. We've seen the impact since the trade last year that Yaka Pirtle can have when playing with a pull-up shooting guard. And I think he is such an additive piece just to sort of grease the wheels of the offense that uh, I I think quickly is probably the guy that I'm most excited to watch play in concert with him. It's not just the pick and roll stuff either, right? Like they run a lot of those sort of, um, you know, flare actions and things like that, where you have quickly popping off of a yak screen or working at the elbow and, you know, getting into an open catch and shoot out of that. Um, There's a lot of, I think, uh, boost to quickly's game from the arrival of Yaka Pirtle back in the lineup as well that I'm quite excited to see obviously we got to see quickly back in the lineup as well which hopefully comes very very soon though seemingly not tonight against the bulls um one quick note yeah i did uh this was oversight on my part there are four winnable games before okay. anyone calls me out I, I, I forgot to include san antonio in there so yeah they're bad <laughs> <laughs> so if we so, look okay i want to play winnable game games instead of three i want to play this game with you uh raptors hornets uh, sorry you got god i'm way way ahead in the schedule so raptors bulls tonight 
Uh, if you get Yacht tonight, like, I think that's a winnable game. The Bulls are no great shakes. Yes, they've beaten the Raptors a bit this year, but I don't think it's, like, crazy. I think if they have Yacht in that game, that's one of those games from the last 10 that if Yacht's available, Nikola Vucevic probably doesn't go off, and the Raptors probably win that game the second night of the back-to-back after beating the Heat. Um, I feel pretty good about that. The Rockets, sure, the Rockets are fine, but also they're not amazing. They're still, like, floating a little bit below 500. I think that's a winnable game, quote-unquote, that's winnable. So they are 2-0 already. Thunder, yeah, loss. Pelicans, probably, yeah, loss. Then you got Hornets, Rockets. Those are probably, like, those are, quote-unquote, winnable, I would say. Cavs, they're playing really well, but the Raptors tend to play the Cavs very well, too. So probably a loss, but I don't think, like, out of reach to potentially pull it out Evan Mobley's back that one. Evan Mobley's back, which means the Cavs are bad now. Uh, <laughs> uh, you got the Spurs, like you said, the Pacers, you know, obviously the Pacers are really good, but also don't play any defense. That They'd probably still win that game. Um, Nets, winnable. Hawks, eminently winnable. I can't believe they didn't win that game a couple nights ago. That's, Hawks I think, is already like, Hawks games. is not part of the 10, right? Like Brooklyn is the 10th. One, two, counting is hard. It is the 10th. You're right. Okay. Either way, uh, <laughs> I'm right. Nine and one's more likely than one and nine. I rest my case. Uh, we will come back on the other side, get into our next what's more likely, which is all about the trade deadline and a pair of guards who may or may not be on the move. We'll get to that coming up in just one sec. Today's show is brought to you by our pals over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in all the land. You got to go check them out right now because uh, as the NFL season is wrapping up, there are still fantastic deals for you over there on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. It's that easy. You just got to place a $5 bet. And then you can get yourself 150 bucks in bonus bets to go and play with on the site. Win or lose. You don't even have to win the bet. That is pretty sweet. The app's super easy to use. And there are lots of different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. That's one of my favorite ways to go about it. If you're perusing the, the, the live same-game parlays, you're at a game in person maybe. It's a pretty fun way to juice up the action while you're there. In the house, you can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. And, of course, you can do the Happiness Hedge, which is the way I bet on sports most of the time. I bet on my team to lose. So if my team wins, I get some uh, I get some joy from my team winning. But if they lose, I get some money out of it. And that is pretty sweet. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. We continue on here with your first listen of the day. Big V, Vivek Jacob from Sportsnet and Cricket Canada is here to dig into another version, another round, another question in our what's more likely gauntlet here on the show. Uh, so, yeah, let's let's dive in. Number two here. I, this is trade deadline related. The deadline is nine days away. We're getting close mercifully to the end of trade season, which I cannot personally wait for. Um, and a couple guys who are going to be, I think, topic du jour for the next many jours are Bruce Brown and Gary Trent Jr. Uh, so my what's more likely for you, Big B, is what's more likely both Bruce Brown and Gary Trent Jr. get traded before the deadline or 
neither get moved. What is your answer here? What's more likely? So I, I still lean towards Bruce Brown being more likely to be dealt than uh, Gary Trent Jr. just because I don't think there's a market for Gary Trent Jr. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, um, I think neither ends up getting traded. All right. All right. I Let's go. <laughs> I'm, go. I'm going to ride the wagon of, uh, you know, Masai saying something. This has been the theme over the last couple of years where he said something and then it doesn't end up happening. And then he'll mm-hmm. and then he'll go the other way when, mm-hmm. you know, he needs to sell it again. Like, you know, oh, we don't care about this draft. Oh, well, now you have three first round picks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lying so, on Maine. Isn't it the best? <laughs> so when he said, yeah, definitely there's more trades coming. I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm good. <laughs> I'll wait. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a pretty wise way to approach it. I'm with you, actually. I think neither I getting think traded is more likely than both getting traded. Um, you know, with Bruce Brown. I do wonder if maybe we've kind of overestimated the market for a very good seventh man. You know what I mean? Like, I I think, you know, the trade happens. Everyone's like, oh, my God, Bruce Brown. They're going to get so much for him. But, like, if you're thinking about the teams that would be in the market for a Bruce Brown, not a ton of them have, like, a big 20-plus million dollar salary kicking around that they can just throw into a trade. You know, some of them do. The Knicks, for example, with Evan Fournier, that's the easy one, right? Fournier grimes in a pick for Bruce Brown. And if that happens, I won't be surprised. That feels like a pretty easily telegraphable trade. But I still think, um, you know, the wider market for Bruce Brown, maybe not quite as hot in terms of the return that you'd hope. It's probably, you know, again, dead salary and a pick or two and not the sort of young player and pick that it seems like uh, the reporting suggests that Masai Ujiri and company want in exchange for Bruce Brown. And I ultimately think like, what's the rush with trading Bruce Brown? This dude is going to be valuable on his contract, not just through this summer, but you pick up his option into next year at the trade deadline as well. And there's also the possibility that he reveals himself to be like a pretty nice piece on a Scotty Barnes led basketball team. I, I, I think giving this a little bit more time to breathe, to see what you actually have here, to gauge the market a little further, to see what happens at the draft, to have his salary on hand as a tool for team building in the summertime, if that's what you need. I think that's more valuable than just picking up a kind of meh pick or two from a contender that doesn't have a lot of really substantial stuff to go and trade you. Um, You know, with Gary Trent Jr., I'm with you. I don't think the market's super hot. I could see them just sort of saying, all right, you know, I think he's probably more likely to get traded than the, of the two, actually. I could see them saying, you know what, let's just cut our, our, our losses here. We're probably not going to retain him in the summer. Let's get a couple seconds for him, send him to the Lakers or whatever it might be, and just kind of say, you know, this was fun, but it didn't quite work out. We'll move on. That said, he clearly fits on a team that needs shooting around Scotty Barnes, and, and so maybe there's an incentive to keep him. So, yeah, I'm going to come down to neither gets traded. Where are you at specifically on the Bruce Brown thing as far as his fit within the team? It's obviously been a little bit clunky to start. Um, I think the whole team still kind of feels weird and misshapen. Not having Yach, having three starters out of the lineup obviously makes this harder to kind of figure out. Um, I don't think Brown has necessarily kind of made a clear stamp of I belong on this team. I work on this team. But what's your sort of read on how he can fit into the mix if they were to keep him around? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously he is a connector and I think he fits the team pretty well. I think it'll show more uh, with Yak. And I think, you know, when you have a connector, they're more of a ceiling raiser than a floor raiser. And so mm-hmm. the better the team is, the more they're going to stand out. So I think that's that's where Bruce Brown's value is. And that's why as soon as the Raptors got him, it was like, oh, okay, which contender can make a run for him, right? <laughs> so <laughs> uh, ironically, watching that Bucks uh, nuggets game, I was like, Oh man, he looked great on either of those teams. Obviously, we saw what the Nuggets looked like with, with him, but mm-hmm. the Bucks, they would love to have someone that can defend on the perimeter and do all those little things. <laughs> but, only the Bucks had a tiny shred of anything to put into a trade. Exactly. <laughs> and that's their problem. Um, yeah. and so I think like they could maybe get Jalen McDaniels to help their defense on the wing if they really wanted to. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh so I think. You know, if if I were to draw up like an unbelievable best case scenario for the Raptors, it would be uh, Scotty makes and and this is looking at next season, right? Like, mm-hmm. say you don't trade him, um, pick up the team option, and you come into next season with Scotty leveling up once again and making mm-hmm. another leap. Uh, Emmanuel quickly makes a leap to at least like fringe all-star sure um rj barrett continues w- what he's shown to and... never miss a two-point shot in his <laughs> life yeah yep. yeah uh, and 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 then you know if if you look at the optimistic side of yak then you could see that being a plus 500 team where okay now either you know bruce brown can be a, a part of that going mm-hmm. forward or you could look to maybe do something along the lines of what the Pacers did with Bruce Brown mm-hmm. and try to get another big piece. Sure. And and I think that is like the best case scenario. I don't know what you think of that. Yeah, I, I do think there's like actual opportunity cost to trading Bruce Brown at this year's deadline for whatever a contender can scrape together. I, I really do. I think there's lots of things that can flow from having Bruce Brown on your team, whether he's playing for you or being used in a deal down the line over the course of the next 18 months that is just more valuable to you than you know an extra pick in a draft that you already have all of the picks in. You know what I mean? Um, especially from a contender where, you know, what are you getting the 26th pick? Like, great. Okay. Like, Oh, we're loaded up. We have the entire twenties quartered off in the draft. Everyone hates awesome. Uh, like I don't really see the, and maybe there's 2025 or 26 picks. You can get whatever it might be further out draft picks, but I think further out draft picks are of kind of limited value for this team with Scotty Barnes already going into year four and already being as good as he is. Like, are you going to wait to get a guy in 2026 and hope he develops by 2028 when Scotty Barnes is 27 years old? Uh, Or however many years that is from now? I don't know. Time is fake. 25. Um, You know, that feels like maybe a stretch. So, yeah, I I think uh, they keep keep Bruce Brown. Do you think this has, like, um, I think the concern would be, oh, but Bruce Brown's going to get in the way of the development of the young players. Um, I, I don't share that concern whatsoever do you, like is there worry for you if they keep both these guys to the deadline of the sort of downstream developmental effects on a grady dick on a J- javon freeman liberty on a whoever it might be is that a concern for you at all 
I I don't see it as, as a concern in the sense that Bruce Brown, again, being a connective piece, he's not going to be looking to, you know, take shots away from people. He's not a high usage player, right? Uh, from a minutes perspective, yeah, he's a, he's a good player and he, you know, figures to be in the rotation more than uh, a Grady Dick or a, a Javon Freeman Liberty as things stands. And so I think that's where I can see uh, some of the concern. Now, um, if the Raptors were to go that route where it's like, hey, let's just be, let's just have all the young pieces together and let them develop and have all the growing pains and we'll just suck it up uh, and lose a lot, <laughs> uh, then it is what it is. So, uh, you know, it seems that the Raptors have already gone in that direction. Um, and so leading further into it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't see Bruce Brown as some kind of disruptor to, uh, you know, what's like, I think if you were to look at the Nuggets, for example, I, I don't think Bruce Brown disrupted uh, what was happening with, you know, uh, a Christian Braun sure. or, uh, you know, maybe, maybe now when you look at it, you say, okay, would Peyton Watson get the same opportunity or, or, or so there's both sides of it. Uh, God, and- that guy's good. That guy's <laughs> like, it's annoying that he's going to be as good as he is. I mean, I like the nuggets, so I'm happy yeah. about it, but man. He's yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, now it's more so when you, when you look at the Pacers as well, right? I, I don't think Bruce Brown is someone who got in the way of uh, an Andrew Nembard. I don't think he's someone who got in the way of uh, an Aaron Neesmith. So, you know, I think there was enough opportunity there. Now, is Neesmith playing better because he's next to a guy like Pascal Siakam? I think hmm. that is playing out. Sure. Uh, but, you know, that's again, hey, you put guys with, you know, role players next to all-stars, they're going to benefit. <laughs> 100%. But also you put guys, young guys next to connective pieces who add and don't take away. I think that also is conducive to development, right? Yeah. And yeah, I think if they go through the deadline and Bruce Brown is still on the team, I think it signals like at least to some degree, like, Hey, we actually kind of think there's a, there's a fit here long-term with us. He's only 27 years old. He's not dead. Like I feel like, you know, Oh, he's 27. He's ancient. Like get a grip. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. Um, people can be different ages on a basketball team. And, and I do think having him and just a, an abundance of guard play is a, good thing that's conducive to a developmental sort of environment you're trying to build so no i'm not concerned about that really either I, I, and i think um you know a grady dick is still going to get chances to play jordan war is still going to get chances to play all that stuff i'm not terribly concerned there we'll come back on the other side and get into our final what's more likely which is a far-off look at future all-star teams regarding bbq we'll get to that coming up in just one second Today's show is brought to you by our pals over at Prize Picks, the single best place to go play daily fantasy sports. You got to check it out because with Prize Picks, it's the way it should be in daily fantasy. It's not you against some expert in a 
back back room or a basement, whatever, putting together a lineup you can't beat. No, it's just you against the projections. All you got to do is pick two to six players on a given entry, and whether they will get more or less than their stats projection in a given category. With basketball season rolling along and the big game coming up, why don't you get yourself a little action going in the specials league where you can do combo projections across football and basketball for different projections for stats. So you can have Travis Kelsey receptions versus points for Scotty Barnes. That's a thing you can do on prize picks of course prize picks offers a reboot policy as well so your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured so if a player gets goes out in the first half doesn't come back for the second that player's rebooted it's the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy go to prizepicks.com slash locked in nba use the code locked in nba for first deposit match up to 100 bucks that's prizepicks.com slash locked in nba code locked in nba First deposit match up to $100 with prize picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we round out the show here with Vivek Jacob, Big V, along for the final round of what's more likely on today's episode. Uh, Before we dive into that, just a reminder, Locked On Sports Today 24-7 is your 24-hour streaming channel on YouTube featuring all of the national shows covering the biggest stories in the sports world and the local shows covering those stories from the local angle with our cast of local experts that only we can do the way we do. So go check out Locked On Sports Today 24-7 right now or once you finish watching this episode, just go. Don't finish. Don't leave now. Please stay. Please Please. Okay, uh, let's get to the final what's more likely of today. It's a far off look at the core of the Toronto Raptors. So Big V, over the next four years, what's more likely? Scotty Barnes, RJ Barrett, and Emmanuel Quickly all earn at least one all-star nod in the next four years. Doesn't have to be in the same year, but it can be in any combination over the next four years. All of them make an all-star team or... One or fewer does. Uh, I guess Scotty Barnes feels like a given he's going to make one at some point here. Uh, we could make it more extreme and just say none of them do, uh, but then I think we'd kind of know what the answer is. So we'll do one or fewer. Uh, so Big V, what's more likely here? Uh, they all become all-stars or just Scotty Barnes does, essentially? At this point, I, I would probably say one or fewer. I think mm-hmm. the middle ground is probably that you know, Scotty and quickly get there. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I had to pick between one or the other, then I have to go with one or fewer just because I do think that, say, for example, I think next year could be another um, long year. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Sure. Uh, and so I don't think there'll be uh, any expectations of making an all-star team more because of the record. Uh, and so if you were to look at the three years beyond that, say, if Scotty is in the game for those three seasons, it's also going to be tough to have two all-stars, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I think that's where I could see potentially one of those years or maybe two of those years quick, quickly getting in there, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and then getting the third, uh, you know, how does RJ make an all-star team? That's, that's going to be the tough one for me. I mean, we, we still have to see if, you know, what we've seen 
post trade carries over, say for example, to next season for a whole season, sure. right? So, um, I think there's still quite a way for RJ to go to get to an All Star level. Same, same for quickly. Uh, Barnes obviously is playing at an All Star caliber level, even if you know the record is probably going to keep him away from the game this season. Uh, the Julius so, Randall injury might change that, though. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, and so I think. Uh, for now, I will go with one or fewer being more likely. Yeah, I think that's probably where I land too. Uh, it's hard to make the all-star game in <laughs> the modern NBA. There are a lot of really freaking good players and four years seems like a lot. But like you said, if they're not like a winning juggernaut of a team next season, I don't see them getting two all-stars. And I don't know if I see them becoming that level of team for at least a couple of years. So you're already kind of shortening your time frame. Um, you know, there's a world, I suppose, where these three really pop and, you know, they're 22, 23 and 24 years old each. There's a world in which they all pop and all of a sudden you're looking like, look at this pretty incredible core. And maybe all of them are all star worthy. That's maybe like a five percentile outcome or top five percentile outcome down the line. It's on the table. But yeah, I, I think with the talent that's spread around the league and just the sort of pathway not quite being there for RJ, just as a guy who's going to be more of a play finisher type, who I think is going to have sort of lesser scoring output than Scotty and quickly once quickly really starts to hum. Um, and I, you know, this obviously requires quickly to make a jump, right? He's not an all-star right now, but I, I'm pretty bullish on there being a jump there for quickly. Um, yeah, I, I think it's not out of the question that they all make it at some point in the next few years. RJ has been fantastic since the trade, but I just think the usage and the sort of team hierarchy and the general loaded nature of the NBA these days is uh, going to kind of keep them from being able to get all three as an all-star in the next four years here. Um, where are you at with just sort of the, the quality of the young core? They've clearly bought into BBQ being the sort of wave, wave of the future here. Where are you at it? Like as far as your bullishness on that three being a contending core in three, four five years time. So I think Scotty Barnes has a superstar ceiling. Yeah, uh, I think Be good. <clears throat> uh, Emmanuel quickly has an all-star ceiling. Uh, fringe all-star to all-star ceiling is where mm -hmm. I'd have to put him right now. Uh, I don't think his finishing at the basket is where it needs to be. Um, and I think that if, you know, for the people who make quickly Tyrese Maxey comparisons, I think that's where the biggest gap exists. Right. 100%. Uh, and so uh, I, I think that's how I separate the two. And then you look at RJ Barrett, uh, you'd probably say, you know, fringe all-star ceiling. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what is that? If, if that ends up being their ceilings, what does that portend, you know, for uh, those categories for your best three players? Um, and then I think the other thing that you have to factor in is, okay, uh, we know, you know, Scotty's makeup in terms of uh, his best position on the floor defensively. Mm -hmm. We know uh, we, we have a pretty good idea with Quickly and RJ. And so if Jakob Pertl is the center, it makes a very, very specific fit for that fifth player, right? Right. It's right. got to be someone that can be an on-ball perimeter defender, someone who can knock down threes. Um, hmm. <laughs> 
What if the Raptors employed somebody like that? <laughs> God, I hate it. I like I keep saying it. It is sickening how perfect OG would be on this basketball team, man. It, obviously, he had to go to create the team as it is, but yeah, man, he would be perfect, and I want to cry thinking about it every night. When I guess. <laughs> so, so that's the type of fit that you have to find. Um, you know, I think probably. The, the height of that fit is someone like a Paul George, right? Uh, right. And so sign him up. <laughs> so again, you're looking at a difficult ceiling because like, how do you get those player that, that player on the team when you're already paying, you know, Scotty and RJ right. and quickly. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think you could come to a point where something might have to give with RJ. Sure. Um, and, and so I think that's the tough part. Can I see this, you know, if everything hits, Coming back to that original point of superstar, um, all star, fringe all star, that's a fifty one team, right? Um, yeah. uh, if you get the pieces right around it, and I think beyond that, uh, it it's tough to see like a true championship contender. Yeah, I mean, well, a lot of it depends on just how good Scotty gets. Like, some guys just yeah. kind of make you a contender by existing and walking on the floor. We'll see if Scotty <laughs> can get to that level. It's a high level to get to. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, to, to me, team building, the goal should be can we build a 50 plus win team? It shouldn't be can we build a no doubt championship contender because that's unrealistic. And I right. think being a regular 50 plus win team puts you in the position to make moves to then become that championship level team. It's like a, it's like you got to take the steps up. And I think the reason I feel good about this core is I can totally see them becoming a regular perennial playoff team. That's making second, third rounds, whatever it might be. And, you know, maybe not quite having that, you know, full championship upside, but, being in the conversation where they're relevant every year and have the flexibility and you know good talented players on hand to make the moves necessary to become a championship contender if needed similar to what the raptors did in the last decade right like i think that has to be the model for team building unless you're the heat or the lakers and you can just go sign superstars the goal should be can we get to being a sort of upper crust top four playoff team, you know, le- like level squad? Maybe you don't make the top four every year, but that's the quality you have in terms of talent. And then figure things out from there. And if you don't figure things out from there, hey, there are worse things than watching a pretty cool and fun 50 win team play a whole lot of seasons together and have some good times in the meantime. That's really kind of the, the most realistic level of joy that you can probably reach as an NBA fan anyway. Winning a title is exceptionally hard and very rare. And I don't think you can build your team with that expressly being the goal because that is a way to drive yourself insane. Um, Big V feels a good place to leave this one. Thank you so much for hopping on the show. Uh, And again, thanks to the listeners for tuning in and putting up with my weird mood lighting situation. It'll get better unless you like the mood lighting. If you like it this way, let me know. Let us know in the comments if you find the mood to be sexy or whatever, and we can keep it this way. Uh, But uh, thanks for for hopping on. Anything you want to promote for the good people out there? Uh, just the usual stuff. I'm doing regular uh, NBA content for Sportsnet. I Great. am doing cricket content for Cricket Canada. And you can follow everything else on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob.
Outstanding. Uh, everyone find me over on the bad website at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors. We are, of course, on Discord. Link is in the description. Free to join as always. And uh, I don't think I said this out the top of the show. Find us on your audio app of choice. Subscribe, follow, rate, review, tell a friend. It's always appreciated when you support the show. It boosts us up the charts, makes us more visible, makes more people discover the show, and therefore makes it so more people will join you in the Locked On Raptors Discord server. Again, link in the description. It's free to join. Come hang out. We'd love to see you there. Um, with that, though, we will leave it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday as Jamar Hines will be along. The God of the Game recap to talk about Raptors Bulls. It's never dull when it's Raptors Bulls, baby. We will talk all about that on tomorrow's show. Thanks so much for hanging. We'll talk to you Wednesday. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 